The San Francisco 49ers got the one seed in the NFC. Will they get it, give it up? They control their own destiny the rest of the way. And we're going to a film review, checking out rookie safety Jair Brown, the third rounder thrust into the starting lineup. How's he looking so far over the course of his rookie season, especially those last two big starts? All that and more coming at you right now. You are locked on 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Appreciate all the everydayers out there. Subscribe up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcast. Today's episode of Lockdown 49ers is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Lockdown NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Croc, the Cowboys. Are, are you done being a Cowboys fan? Because uh, they they did they did they handle their business. They beat the Philadelphia Eagles. What thirty three eighteen? I think it was on Monday Night Football. And the Eagles drop from the one seed in the NFC all the way down to the five seed for the time being. Uh, the 49ers and Eagles do interestingly control their own destiny here. The Niners, of course, now the one seed. If they went out, they are going to be the one seed and have a bye going into the playoffs this January. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles can win out, though, and wrestle the division back from the Cowboys and still end up that two seed. So it'll be very interesting the rest of the way with the Cowboys and the Eagles. Their records are tied, and so they might end up going to some... Uh, some tiebreaker situations there. So let's start there. The San Francisco 49ers are the one seed in the NFC. They've got the toughest opponent left, though, of all the opponents that all those teams are playing. And that is the one seed in the AFC on Christmas. You got 49ers Ravens, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so this thing is not done, but we did get to the point, Croc, where the 49ers now do control their destiny. And I think that's all 49ers fans asked for this season. I think as an NFL team, that's all you can ask for, right? Uh, the, the first goal that teams have heading into a season, and of course, you, you want to win the Super Bowl, but it's win your division. So they are in control of winning the division, and not just the division, you are in control of winning the conference, which is big. So you're talking about first round bye, you're talking about you not having to leave the Bay Area until potentially going to a Super Bowl. So I think it's really set up nice for a 49ers team with the way that they play. Uh, and just the path to the ultimate goal, which is the Super Bowl. By the way, here we go. <laughs> it worked out for you. Um, you didn't root too hard for the Cowboys, did you? Not at all. You no know, matter of fact, it was the best of both worlds. My brother was here watching, and uh, I told him before the game, you know, if you guys play like trash, I get to talk stuff to you. But if you guys win, you guys help the 49ers out. So uh, double edged sword kind of for them, but a positive for the 49ers either way. Dude, I found myself midway through that game thinking maybe the Rudy interest should be against the Cowboys because the Eagles have looked kind of like trash for two weeks in a row now. Now, they played good teams in the Cowboys and the 49ers, but the Niners didn't have trouble with the Cowboys. Niners didn't really have trouble with the Eagles either. But I found myself thinking maybe the team that you don't want to play is the Cowboys. Maybe it'd be better to face the Eagles in the playoffs and go to their house than the Dallas. I don't know. So I, maybe it's not even that big of a deal, to be honest with you, between Dallas and, 
and Philadelphia. And I don't know if it's a shoe in that the the Eagles are going to win out. They they have a, a much lighter schedule the rest of the way, so it does look good for them if they play like they did earlier in the season. But they're they're not looking good right now. Specifically, the quarterback Jalen Hurts is not looking good. He left some meat on the bone against the 49ers crowd. Yeah, I know we're going to talk about that. Do you want to jump in jump into Jair Brown now, or do you want to wait on that? Let's uh yeah, let's jump into it. Jair Brown, 49ers rookie safety. We did a little film review last couple of weeks. He started really big games for the 49ers and overall has looked really good. But I want to get into the nitty-gritty of this, especially Croc. You are the DB expert here. You're a resident DB expert. So what did you see on the film from, from Jair Brown? I want to start off by saying it is extremely difficult to know exactly what his responsibilities are. So for me, the one thing that I'm looking at right away is just, you know. Does something look off? Like, does he look out of place in a, in a, in a certain play? Uh, you know, are there any busted coverages? Which I feel like those are, again, it could be somebody else's responsibility. But when you start to see somebody chasing, he's either covering up for someone else or covering up for himself because of a mistake that he made. Uh, and then I'm really trying to identify uh, just movement skills. How comfortable does he look doing certain things? Do they ask him to do certain things, right? This is my first time really kind of diving in to exactly what it is that he does and how he plays. We watched him and identified him. I scouted him coming out of Penn State, so I knew what that version of him was. But since he has started in the NFL, it's like, all right, let's check and see what is it looking like. And I will say that they use him definitely in a variety of ways. And I feel like pretty much every way that you can utilize a safety, aside from blitzing. Now, he might blitz. watched uh, most of the Philly game, I watched some more of the Seahawks game, uh, both all 22 versions. I have not seen him blitz. Maybe if I go back further, I might see a little bit more of that. But that does not stop him from triggering, especially in the run game. Uh, he diagnoses the run extremely quick, comes down with bad intentions. He throws his body around. That was something that I really liked to see. Uh, there was no wasted steps. There was no guy trying to hide from the contact. Whether his body's there, he would filter through and try to throw his body at uh, the ball carrier. If there was someone that was blocking, I thought he did a good job, for the most part, of keeping his outside shoulder free and maybe having to force things inside if he wasn't the alley runner. So um, from that standpoint, just how quickly he identified just runs and then triggered and reacted to it from a single high or if he was down, I thought he did that really quick. And I also think that he did that just as quick in the passing game. Uh, there were several times where you could see him just kind of come down. He had a really good jump on it. He had a nice single high pass breakup on what was nearly an interception for Traverius Ward in this last game. And I think uh, Jair maybe threw him off. He wasn't expecting him to be there. And and I don't know if that's the play Ward ended up getting hurt on. But there was a play. It was kind of a jump ball, first quarter, first drive, right side. Terrific job from single high and getting a beat on that throw. He also did that same thing against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Single high, terrific job playing sideline to sideline, goes and ends up breaking up a pass down the sideline. It was the right sideline for uh, the Philadelphia Eagles on that play. So, uh, so far, he's showing terrific range. He is showing terrific uh, click and close. He has shown a terrific uh, just kind of instinct for playing single high and being very multiple in how to use them. A lot of man coverage uh, against tight ends. I thought he did a terrific job there uh, playing against guys. Looked very fluid, didn't look clunky in his movement skills. So uh, I know you might have some questions, but from that standpoint, I think those were the first things that really jumped out to me. A lot of good versatility, 
and did not look like a liability from an ability issue or standpoint. Yeah, uh, it doesn't seem like they, aside from the blitzing thing you mentioned, because Hufanga is a, a really good blitzer, and we haven't seen that utilized much from Jair Brown. But aside from that, you know, they, they the 49ers aren't worried about putting him in a single high, moving him around, uh, you know, using those safeties in, in multiple roles. In fact, it seems like they kind of like putting Jair Brown just as much at single high and having Gibson come down with coverage responsibilities as vice versa there. So that's, that's interesting. And so, yeah, um, interchangeable safety. And, you know, that was the MO coming out of college, despite the the poor 40 time, um, somebody that could fit right into what the 49ers like to do with, with their interchangeable safeties and bringing one down, bringing one over the top and, and both guys being able to do everything and coming downhill was his strength in college. Uh, and it was it's been his strength in the NFL. He likes coming downhill. And I think it maybe has been one of the things that's gotten him in trouble a little bit as well is coming downhill. But I want to highlight one hit. I believe it was against the Eagles. And he came down and made a big play uh, on, a, on a swing pass. And I thought it was Dre Greenlaw because I just, I just saw the seven. Right. And I thought it was 57 because of the hit. He came down with bad intentions and and made a big hit. And I was like, oh, okay, Drake Greenlaw. And then it got up as 27. I was like, oh, okay, that's Jair Brown making a hit, coming to play. So uh, coming downhill, tackling, he's got big hands. He's a he's a pretty sure tackler when he gets there too, which I like. So um, as far as coming downhill, being that sort of a strong safety type of role and even showing a little bit uh, of, of uh, deep safety coverage ability and getting his hands on footballs. So he, 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 he intercepted a ton of passes in college, and we've seen now – multiple times that he's able to do that in the NFL and sees the ball goes up and gets it. He's got, his, he's got huge hands. You can tell just when he's standing there, even interviews, he'll be like, like this. And he'll bring his hand up talking. He's like, well, he's got big old mitts. Like he's like, oh, you know? Uh, and so I, it helps. I think that really helps as a tackler to grab on and, and, and be a sure tackler. And I think it helps him secure the ball as well. When he's trying to pick plays off, uh, he should have another interception, but on Sunday, Fred Warner, did a little Superman dive and, and stole that pick away from him at the end of the game before the melee. So uh, yeah, uh, I, I do like a lot what I've seen from Jair Brown. He still did have a pick that game though, right? That was him. On, yeah. That would have been his second of the game. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I do want to talk a little bit more about Jair Brown still, what we're seeing on tape, some, maybe some negatives, some, some things he can clean up a little bit. Uh, but so far so good for the rookie season of Jair Brown and a little bit more on the playoff picture in the NFC. And, uh, as we get ready here for uh, another week of NFL football next. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by Game Time. Right now, use code Locked On NFL. Get $20 off last minute tickets at Game Time. More on that offer in a minute because when you are getting ready for your next big event, whatever it is, you're buying tickets, you're excited for you and the family, for you and your buddies. You're going to go see the 49ers play. You're going to go see an NFL game, college football game. You're going to go to a concert, comedy, music, theater events, whatever it is near you. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy those tickets, and they've got killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee. That makes game time the place to go and take the guesswork out of buying those tickets. So it's not a hassle when you're buying tickets because you know sometimes, ah, what's this gonna? What's it like with these seats? Well, you see a picture of the seats of, of the view from your seats. So you know what you get when you buy. All-in price is my favorite part. I hate the fit hidden fees when you're about to check out. And you're like, oh, no, these tickets are actually twice as much as what you thought they were going to be. No, with game time, all-in prices show your total upfront. You know what you're getting. You know you're getting that great deal. A couple taps. You buy those tickets. They're right there on the app. You don't have to go fishing through your email with game time. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app. Create an account. 
and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Okay, so if you're making a list of positives, uh, I think, and it probably helps a little bit, right, that he didn't have to get thrust in as a starter his rookie season, even though the 49ers drafted him on day two. It was the first pick of their draft, traded up to get him, but he wasn't thrust into the starting lineup. So he could kick back, play some special teams, learn from the veterans on the roster and Hufanga and and Tishon Gibson. And then once Hufanga went down, he was, he was ready to go. And um, he looks like he belongs, like the way he tackles. I like the way he comes downhill. I will say, though, sometimes, Croc, he could come downhill maybe a little too hard. And in back-to-back Seahawks games, I've seen him get kind of juked out of his cleats. One was by, uh, it was a swing pass to the defense's left side to Zach Charbonnet, I believe, two weeks ago, Thanksgiving against the, the Seahawks. And he's coming downhill, and he didn't even get a hand on on the running back. Like he was like, boop, boop. And he was gone. And so that looked bad. Uh, I don't know if it's a problem breaking down. I don't know if he breaks down too much and doesn't just run through the, the ball carrier. And it happened again against Parkinson uh, on that, uh, on that play that he ripped off from the 49ers, uh, Shane Waldron. Good job. Um, rip, ripping that off from Kyle Shanahan. And I think Bill Walsh before him, but uh, again, Hart, uh, Parkinson gave him a little, just, a, just a little head nod. And, and he got juked pretty bad by that. You know, like getting juked by a running back is one thing. Getting juked by a tight end is a bad look. And so I'm sure he got some stuff in the in the film room after that one. Um, but it could hurt him in the passing game as well, coming downhill a little bit too hard. Just, just some weird stuff. There was, matter of fact, the very first play of the Philadelphia Eagles game. I sent you, I said, man, this is the first play. Uh he was did, did a good job of disguising, and he does that very well. He disguises. One thing, if, if I'm seeing guys disguise coverages, that lets me know that they're fairly confident in whatever their responsibility is on that specific play. So he knows their job. I tell my guys all the time, look, if we know we have you know quarters or if we know that we have a deep third, you don't just have to line up in a deep third. We know what we have to get to. So go ahead, mess around with your alignment. You can start off at the line of scrimmage, start to creep back you know, before the snap. Don't give the – quarterback just the picture you're just gonna line up in it so he knows exactly what you're doing all right so it feels like he understands his assignments and what exactly he's supposed to do uh but the first play in the philadelphia eagle game you see him disguising showing too high too high look too high look and right when they're about to snap he comes down and it's very clear that he's either man on the tight end because Javarius ward definitely did a man turn on the receiver he was guarding all right but he's either man on the tight end or he has to carry the tight end I, I, regardless, it was clearly his responsibility. And he came down just a little too hard, and boom, tight end just flew right by him. Uh, had about, what, six, seven yards of, of separation right away. If the quarterback sees it, hits him in stride, he doesn't score a touchdown because uh, Jair Brown did a good job of closing pretty quick. So, it, I mean, but it could have been out the gate a 40-yard play or so mm-hmm. if they would have caught it. And I think that happened on in the same quarter or maybe the very next quarter, something very similar. And this time I think it would have went for a six where it's just both of them look like busted assignments, but it's him, I think, uh, just overplaying, coming down and maybe what his responsibility is. Maybe trusting his speed a little too much that he's going to be recovered because the, the first play, it was like, where are you going, dude? He was running like full speed 
towards the tight end and the tight end runs by him and he stops and turns around and runs right back and starts chasing him. It's like, where are you going, dude? Uh, and so it'd be interesting to hear his point of view and what the responsibilities were on that play. And then the other one, yeah, was a complete bust that Jalen Hurts didn't see. And um, and I know Hufanga went through some of those things, right? And and he's done a lot better at not having those coverage busts. He had a couple of them last year that were pretty big busts in coverage and letting guys behind him and maybe being too aggressive for whatever he might be seeing, whatever he might be keying on. Um, and so... Uh, I think those are different, though, Peacock. Well, like, the, the ones that we're talking about with... Uh, with Hufanga. Hufunga, right? We look at the the, the Bears game. Yeah. There were a couple of things. One where he got put into a really tight bind where it's like, okay, if I go this way, then this guy runs wide open. If I go this way, this guy runs wide open. He was damned if he did, damned if he didn't. Uh, there was, yeah. There was another one I want to say in the Bears game. I don't know if it's his responsibility, but everybody flowed this way and they left Dante Pettis open on the backside. I remember mm-hmm. uh, it was either Greenlaw or a safety. Someone was responsible for, you know, hang out backside a little bit. And then there was another one with Hufunga, Tyreek Hill, uh, playing against the Miami Dolphins. And he ended up like going up. It was a post. He came down. Then uh, you had Therese Ward outside shade on Tyreek Hill being able to run all the way across the field. You're not going to guard him there. And he kind of left his guy out to dry again. To me, the way that quarters is ran, I thought Hufunga actually did the right thing. Unless you tell him, hey, don't come down on any crossing route because then you leave Ward one-on-one on the outside with Tyreek Hill with the whole field, and we don't want that. But that's a quarter speeder. Uh, these were a little different. It, it was He knew exactly what his uh, like what he was supposed to be doing. He just overplayed it. Yeah. And, and the one thing I do like about that is at least all right, we, we can correct that. Hey, just come down a little bit more under control, uh, play catch from depth, and then you can – carry carry that route right like i can correct that uh so nothing i saw matter of fact i saw some really good things in man uh, you had some bunch to the right and uh he was guarding the point guy i mean it was some terrific stuff matter of fact the guy that was kind of out of position a little bit on this play was diamond lenore i wish i can show y'all like i wish i can break down the film and kind of show you guys these things but you have trips to the right bunch right all right you usually have a point man so you got one guy in front two guys in the back as a, as a defensive guy, I like to, to call 13 versus this. So I tell my point guy, whoever that is, and that was a tight end in this situation, all right, I'm going to have my safety. You're manned up on the tight end. Wherever he goes, you go. And then my back guys, which is a lot of times a nickel in the outside corner, you guys are going to banjo uh, these back two guys. So uh, banjo, basically, whichever guy comes to you, you take that guy. Yeah, and if, you, if the inside receiver goes out and you're the outside corner, then you take the guy who went out. And whoever goes right. inside, the inside corner takes him. I felt like the 49ers made it a little bit more difficult uh, some, somewhat with how they did it. Uh, the first guy crossed, and it was Julio Jones. He crossed. He came straight to D'Amador Lenore, who I don't know what D'Amador Lenore is looking for, but he definitely had his eyes in a bad spot. And luckily for him, uh, Julio Jones ended up running right into – uh, uh, Fred Warner, and it wasn't like Fred Warner's like, Oh, I got I got your help. If somebody comes in, I, I'm gonna help you. Fred Warner was looking at the quarterback, and he was just kind of drifting with the quarterback. And Julio just ended up running right into him, actually, knocked Fred Warner to the ground because he didn't see him coming. All right, so a little weird by Delma Lenore, but more on him in a minute. A lot of really good stuff I was really excited about. But what I saw Jair Brown do on that play, he walled off the point man, right? Carried it upfield. And then as the point man went outside, J. 
Jair flipped his hips and came inside on, which I think was it was designed to go to Devontae Smith. And that's where uh, when you talk about Jalen Hurts, and I know Carr is taking a lot of heat for saying he would actually play Mar- Mar- Mariota right now. Yeah. You see he left a lot on – he's left a lot of meat on the bone because if he was just playing – let's say if that was Brock Purdy. I believe Brock Purdy would have hit the guy who was supposed to hit, which was Devontae Smith, who had enough separation for a nice pitch and catch touchdown with a lot of room for him to just make that throw. Like, it was there. And instead, he predetermined where he wanted to throw through the fade – uh, to A.J. Brown on Traverius Ward, and Ward broke it up. And maybe he's saying, that's my guy. We saw that with uh, Kaepernick and, and uh, uh, Michael Crabtree on the fade. I don't know. It hurts. It hurts. The red zone fade, I feel like it's such a low percentage play. It, it, it's 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 supposedly a 50-50 ball. I feel like it's less than 50-50. I don't know. The, the red zone fade, it, in certain situations, certain players, it's better than others, right? And depending on who you got and who your release is, if it's Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and they kind of got their own thing going on, you know you're going to get a nice release. You can make a throw, but um, it's just a, it's almost a cop-out call to, to go red zone fade to me. I, I hate it. Anyway. Yeah. And on this play, they it, it looked like it may have been supposed to be designed right to left, but he looked and said, oh, I got this look I want, so I'm just going to throw this fade. Uh, but anyways, the reaction of Jair Brown was something I was impressed with. Just to be able to carry the point guy, flip off of him, and come underneath on what Devontae, Adams, uh, Devontae Smith was running. I-, I was just impressed with a lot of stuff. Again, you definitely want to limit those blown assignments because they are there. And we're talking about plays that could have been huge plays, potentially touchdowns. Uh, multiple times in these games. And we saw that that happened in the Tampa Bay game where he gave up a big explosive play uh, down the field. But as far as ability and trying to figure out who this guy is and what he does well, I think there's a lot that the 49ers coaching staff probably likes about him. Uh, more, you mentioned a little bit about Diamondor Lenore. Some more that Croc noticed on film when he was watching 27, the rookie safety, some other things he noticed the last couple games as well. We'll get to that next. This episode of Lockdown 49ers is brought to you by Jace Medical and the Jace Case. And I know we come to talk sports and escape from some of the crazy realities in real life. But can we just talk for a minute about prepping for real life? And according to the FDA, pharmacies are running low on some antibiotics like amoxicillin. And it's right in the middle of flu season right now. So that could be scary for you. Maybe you have personal needs for your family and you don't want to feel helpless if some supply chain issues keep the medication you need for yourself or your family away from you. Thankfully, we'll be okay because we have Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, uh, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us and, you know, uh, natural disasters or maybe you're on vacation in a place where you're not going to have the ability to find a medication that you might need. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter and it will be reviewed by a board certified physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use code locked on to get $20 off your order. Again, that's code locked on for $20 off at jacemedical.com. One more note on the rookie Jair Brown, and that is that your guy, Deshaun Goldson, who was hired this summer, I believe. He, I think it was this year he was hired, right? Recently, uh, this year to be, uh, you know, uh, to help out. And and uh, and Jair Brown, after the game, said that he's been a huge help for him. And I loved hearing Jair Brown talk about 
first of all, the personality for Jair Brown, I can see why the 49ers are like, this is one of our guys, right? Because you see the way he plays. Uh, and it's just stylistically, he fits what you know, John, what a John Lynch would want out of his safety, I think. Uh, and you hear him speak, and, and he's a smart dude, and uh, and uh, he's always smiling. He seems like he's just glad to be there, you know. Uh, so, so I love seeing uh, Jair Brown's interviews, and he talked about Deshaun Goldson and the and what Deshaun Goldson has helped teach him so far in his NFL career. And he also spoke about the lineage of safeties in San Francisco. And he's like, this is what we do here. Right. And so I loved hearing that, whether it's Deshaun Goldson uh, or, uh, or Dante Whitner. Right. And you could keep going all the way back, you know, Lance Schulters and, and remember John Keith. I always remember John Keith. It'll, it'll always stand out to me. Small school guy. No, no gloves. No, nothing. Nothing brought the thump. He didn't care. Uh, and his nickname came out of, I think, Furman, small school guy. Nickname was Shakespeare because he made plays. So I'll never forget that one. It's a great nickname, too. John Keith. Uh, but obviously, you go back to, you know, Dwight Hicks and, and of course, Ronnie Lott, the Hall of Famer. So um, the safety position doesn't get a lot of credit in 49ers history. But I loved hearing Jair Brown talk about that as a rookie to have that perspective and, and you know, getting coached up by one of Croc's favorite guys, Deshaun Goldson. And the physicality and and Jair Brown is up to that as physical as guys can be these days in the NFL. Uh, I liked hearing that from Jair Brown, so I wanted to throw that in as well. Love watching Deshaun Goldson, one of my all time favorite 49er players. Yeah, it's cool to see him on the staff. And I will say, being at training camp, you know, kind of seeing him out there on the field, I'm like, man, he's kind of bigger than I expected to be, you know, as a as a he was 6'2, right? 6'2, like 200, and you know, he, he played some outside corner. At Washington yeah. and kind of converted full time to safety with the 49ers. That was one of the best things. I think that was the Singletary era too, right? I think that's one of the best things that the 49ers did was identify him as a, a conversion from outside corner just because he went straight to he didn't mess around at corner with, with the Niners. It was straight from, hey, we think this guy's a safety. Came, played safety. He was a hitter at, at corner and it, it, he took off. So, um, Domador Lenore, another mid round guy. Uh, making good for the 49ers. What'd you see from Demo aside from getting all uh, angry and, and getting tossed out of the game on Sunday? So, Diamo de Lenore, uh, first of all, as w- while watching it, I was just like, man, the 49ers just continue to do really good finding these guys, you know, fit six round that, that can at the very least contribute in some type of way. Because that's what you're looking for, right? Like, yeah. When you're drafting a corner in the fifth round, do you think? This guy is going to be a starter for several years. You know, it's not really thoughts. It's just, okay, you know, we see some things we really like in this guy. He has the right makeup. No, let's see kind of what happens with this guy. And, you know, maybe he's a good special teamer. Maybe he has some kind of depth. But he has been a good starter. And not just a good starter. He's kind of taken on that uh, uh, Dante Johnson role as kind of like the Swiss Army knife of the defense. You need me to play in the slot, I can do that. You need me to play outside, I can do that as well. And that's not easy. Like, playing in the nickel is extremely difficult. And then bouncing around from nickel to outside without blowing a bunch of coverages is difficult as well because you have so much more on your plate. Uh, having to be on the same page with the linebackers, having to be on the same page with the outside guys, having to be on the same page as the safeties and moving it around. So he's been doing a terrific job of that. Uh, plays outside in your base coverage. Slides inside in nickel type situations. Had to play more outside. Well, first I'll talk about him in the nickel. Watched him against the Philadelphia Eagles in the nickel. Loved it. Thought he was physical. Outside that one bad eye discipline play uh, that I talked about in that red zone, 
Um, I thought he was terrific. He was triggering really quick on the run. I thought he did a really good job in run fits, keeping his outside shoulder free and trying to wall off that to force the run back inside. Uh, good job there. Coverage, I thought for the most part, as sticky as you can be as a nickel because there's so much space. There's going to be separation on some plays. I thought he did a good job and was consistent with that. Not afraid to tackle or throw his body around. Uh, but then seeing him play on the outside uh, against the uh, the – Seattle Seahawks and have to fill in for an injured Trevor's ward, right? Like that wasn't something that they planned on. It's like, Hey, you're a nickel guy. You can play some outside, but Oh man, now you got to be full-time outside. They brought in Isaiah Oliver. I thought he did a terrific job just competing throughout that game. Uh, he was scrappy. He was confident. And, you know, we've talked about this. I want to say maybe was it this past off season, maybe the previous off season, but just, when we heard him talk, it's like, okay, well, I get why he's, you know, so his size isn't going to determine like how he plays, right? Only 5'9", 5'10", not the biggest of guys, but played really big when he had to go up against DK Metcalf. And uh, DK had, I want to say, three catches on the opening drive, nothing after that. So terrific job from Diamondola Noor to really kind of help the 49ers get out of some trouble when we thought, oh, man, you lose Travis Ward. That's the DK stopper. What's it going to look yeah. like? He was up for the task, and I thought he played exceptionally well against the Eagles, having the guard guys in the slot, uh, Devontae Smith, how sticky he was on some of those double moves. Four of those corners, I guess the Eagles had to had to cover for a lot of time because of the escapability of Hurts, and I thought they plastered very well in that game. I thought he did another terrific job against Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, Hurts missed. Hurts did not play good against the 49ers. And I don't know if it's a blueprint thing. Maybe it is, but I, I just thought he missed some some open guys. And um and maybe it was that blueprint. And he gave it to the cow, they gave it to the cowboys, they gave it to the rest of the league. We'll see if the uh if the Eagles can bounce back now. But the 49ers do control their destiny. And now come on, Derek Carr. Mar- Marcus Mariota is not. I mean, what, what are we doing? I understand Hertz had a bad game. If that's the only film you watched was that game of Hertz against the 49ers, you might think uh, he was playing bad. But uh, I mean, come on, what are we talking about with Marcus Mariota? Marcus Mariota, though, was um, perfect against the Niners. Wasn't he 15 of 15 or something like that last year? He threw one incomplete pass. That's right. Um, and I think it was the last time he played well as a, <laughs> as a pro, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the, the Eagles don't aren't playing well right now. They, they've got problems in the back seven on defense. The Niners exploited the hell out of that. Uh, Hertz is not playing great right now. So um, this is very interesting right now. And then even the Bears knocked off the, the Lions on Sunday, too. I think with the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, they have a new office coordinator, a new defensive coordinator. They lost both their guys. So you expected it to take some time for the jail. I think it's taking a little bit longer than they were expecting. They, they definitely have a good front and they can do some multiple things there. But on the back end good football players. We're talking about guys, all pro pro bowlers. Slay is still playing very well. I watched him last night against the Cowboys. I thought Slay uh, did a really good job with coverage. Got a little grabby at times at the top of some of the routes and they threw some flags on him, but I thought he played well. Bradbury not playing as well. And I don't know if that's hurting everybody else because they're trying to overcompensate. You got Byron out there. I think, you know, he's a playmaker. Uh, they lost 32 at some point in that game. So now it's like, okay, there's some injuries there. Some guys banged up. But I think Bradbury is not playing very well. He's trash. Hey, man, we'll catch you on Sunday. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day. Make sure you are subscribed up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcast. Uh, we got Wink tomorrow, Winky Wednesday, and then we'll be getting ready for week 15 of that NFL action. 
Talk to you then right here, Lockdown 49ers.